So typically the way we end our service is we have a closing song and we say, see you next week, and everybody rushes out to go get to lunch, which you have, you have plenty of time to get out because you're going to get out like at 11 o'clock, uh, and that's cool. But I want to let you know that we do have an announcement we want to share with you right after that. So don't, don't rush out, like uh, chill and, and just have a seat, and we'll, we'll get you out in plenty of time to beat the lunch rush and all that kind of stuff, but just wanted to share that with you. Um, we are in this series through the Psalms, and the Psalm that we're looking at today is Psalm 139. And some of you, as soon as you hear that Psalm, you, you think certain things about that because you, you, you're familiar with it, or if you go and read the text, you'll start to, to, to see some pretty familiar wording and phrases that, 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 you, uh, that you recognize. But the whole Psalm is about being known. And I, I have a weird relationship with being known, I think. I, I like to know people. I like people to know me, but I don't know how much I really like people to know me. I don't know if anybody, I, I see a couple smiles maybe. Maybe some of you can, can relate with that. My wife, Renee, is from a small town in Virginia called Martinsville. Some of y'all are familiar with that. And anytime we go out with her parents, we run into somebody that they know because they've lived there their entire, entire lives. They lived there when they were kids. You know, their parents were growing up, and, you know, Renee lived there as adults. So they, they've been there their entire life, and they're always running into people. And I think that's kind of that's neat. I, I, I like that. When you run into people you want to run into, I think that's cool. I mean, I've never lived in a place long enough, and it's small enough where that, that's the case. Like when I go out in Richmond and Rico, I don't, I don't always run into people that I know. Some of it's because there's so many people around here. Um, but I, I, think, I think it's kind of a neat thing, but I don't know. There, there are also some times that I'm, I'm the kind of guy when I walk into a place, I'm just, I just want to get in and get out. I, I don't know if anybody can re- relate to that. And I'm totally cool with running in, into people and seeing them, but I'm, not, I'm never thinking of that. And so there have definitely been a couple times, and some, I don't know, maybe this has happened where I've walked, maybe I've walked right past you in Walmart or something like that and had no clue that I did that. I've had people, hey, hey, Rob, how are you doing? And, and I look over, I'm so sorry, I did not see you there. I wasn't intentionally trying to ignore you. I wasn't trying to avoid you or anything. But I'm always thinking, all right, what was I doing right, right before that? Was I picking my nose? I don't, I, I don't know, could be. Sometimes you got to scratch and you got to itch it. No, reverse that. Um, I, I, I've always cared way too much about what other people think about me. I don't know if you can relate to that. I mean, there's, some th- there's a little bit of paradox there because there's some things that I have a pretty thick skin about. I'm willing to make controversial statements and claim that they are superior to other controversial statements. For example, Carolina pulled pork barbecue is far superior than all the corn syrupy stuff that you, that you use to drown out the taste of the meat. All right, so I, like I'm willing to go out there and do that, but there's, um, there's some things that I don't, I don't know. Um, I would love for everybody to like me. That, that's a thing, and yet I know that that is never going to happen. It's just, it's just not possible, and don't say anything right now about whether or not, of whether or not you, you like me or how, how, you, how you feel about that. I just know it's not a thing, and, and especially if everybody knew everything about me in my life, I'd don't know that I would have the same amount of people like me that like me now. It's no, being known, especially being fully known, is a very risky thing. It's, it's, in some respects, it seems a little bit of frightening. Like, what if everybody just all of a sudden knew everything about you right now in this, in this room? That, that would be very scary. Think about some of the first times that you were, uh, you know, ever emotionally... Um, 
intimate with someone else. You know, you shared with somebody, you know, some of your hopes and dreams with, with another person. Maybe, maybe you were young, maybe in middle school or something like that. Remember how awkward it felt to kind of stick your neck out there, you know, check, yes, do you like me? You know, or like the whole yes or no circle thing. Um, and, and especially if and when that relationship ended, you, you remember the, the pain of that feeling of being, you know, exposed to that other person. You've shared of yourself with that person, and now that relationship is separated. It's different, and, and it's, it's more painful than it would be normally. We're going to be talking about being known today. That's what this entire psalm is all about. So if you do have your Bibles with you, hopefully you've already turned to or you're going to turn to Psalm chapter 139, because it's really important, I think, for us to read through this text and understand what it, communica- what, it communica- what it communicates, easy for me to say, about God. Because as you read through the chapter, there's a whole lot of I, me, my. I mean, we think about being known, we're all thinking about the stuff about ourselves. You know, we're, think- we're thinking about us. But what the psalm really communicates, there's some really powerful, important truths about God and what he knows about us. It helps us to see God a lot more clearly. In this psalm, sometimes the psalms are, you know, praises that we sing or prayers that we pray, a lot of emotion. There's a lot of things that that are brought out in the text, but this is a perspective that helps us to see God a lot more clearly. And so let's read through the first few verses of Psalm chapter 139 this morning. And this is David writing, and he says, you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit, And when I rise, you perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you, Lord, know it completely. You hem me in behind and before, and you lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. So David's just kind of pointing out, hey, my mind is blown with this idea, this concept that God knows me completely. And and there's nothing hidden from him in my life. And maybe you know that, you acknowledge that already. Maybe it's a foreign concept. Um, But but I would would just ask, when's the last time you let yourself just kind of be astonished by that fact? Knows how many hairs are on your head or aren't on your head. I mean, he, oh, oh, okay. We're a little uh, uh, feeling feeling, uh, raw follically this morning. That's okay. Being being known is risky. We're, We're used to... Um, being able to kind of control what other people know about us. And that feel, helps us to feel a lot more, um, a lot more steady in, in life. But God knows everything. God is all-knowing. He is omniscient, and he chooses to know all about this, all about us. You've searched me. You know me. You perceive my thoughts. You discern my life. You're familiar with my ways. You know me. I think the way that most people think about this is like Santa Claus sees me when I'm sleeping. He knows when I'm awake. He knows when you've been bad or good. And you're like, this is really creepy. <laughs> you know, what's up with the Santa Claus guy? Uh, but it's actually much more than that when it comes to God. He knows our hearts and minds. He knows our greatest wants, our greatest desires, our secret fantasies and hidden motives. He sees into the corners of our souls, even the pieces we work so hard at hiding and curating from others. He searches and knows us. He knows our movements. He knows what we'll say before we say it. And there's a couple directions we could go there. We say, well, that's terrifying. <laughs> I'm, I'm not even sure what to, what, what to do about that. Or, especially as we keep reading, we can be astonished and astounded at this fact that as David recounts this, how incredible it is that God chooses to know us. 
And he chooses to be engaged in, with us, especially because he knows every single thing about us. David is acknowledging, acknowledging this as something that's beautiful. He's awestruck at God's knowledge and provision in his life. God knows us better than our spouse, our parents, our friends. He knows us better than we know ourselves. He's the all-knowing God, and he chooses to be invested in us, sometimes despite knowing us so completely. David is blown away by this. He continues in Psalm 139, verse 7. He says, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Not, not only does God know us, but he is with us. And there's not a place that we can go in our life where he isn't there. That's where he desires to be. God is everywhere. He is omnipresent, and yet he chooses to be with us. You, we may try. <laughs> you know, David's not saying uh, to, to get away from him. David's not necessarily saying that he's been running away from God, but um, he's just trying to highlight the fact that God's presence is there even if we do try to run away, or even if our poor choices and sin do lead us away from him. There's no getting so far out in the distance away from God that you can, cannot return. And this is good news. I mean, it's astonishing that God knows us so completely. And of all the places that he could choose to be in his wonderful creation, he chooses to be with us. Like that, that's the place he chooses to be, is with people. There's nowhere we can go outside the realm of God's presence. I mean, there have been times in life where our actions, even if not our you know, specific words, have denied him, have, have put him aside, have run away from him, but he's never farther away than our call to him. He's there. And any of the times that you have felt distant in your life from God, remember that that felt distance is only coming from one direction. Because God is never the one who's far away from us. There are times we feel alone, we feel afraid, stuck, hurting. We don't know which path to take. And, and yet God is right there with us. He knows us. And he chooses to be with us. David continues in Psalm 139, verse 13. He says, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. In all the ways that God knows us, in all the ways that he chooses to be with us, in all the ways that he knows what is going to happen in our life, and we have no clue, God creates us so that we can be with him. God is all-powerful, he's omnipotent, and he chooses to use his power, not just for his own benefit, but so that we might be able to experience what it means to be known and be in relationship with him, to experience his goodness and his hope and his glory and his love and his joy. Even in the womb, David is saying, God is at work. He created our inmost being. The Hebrew word for there, for that inmost being, actually means kidneys. I know, we, 
I don't know, maybe we just think the heart, have you ever seen a real heart? I don't know. It's, it's not like the cute thing. You, you guys know this. Um, we romanticize that and we think, oh, the feelings are in the heart and, you know, I love you with all my heart, that kind of thing. So in the Hebrew, basically, I love you with all my kidneys. Um, is that, I, I don't know, you could try that in the next Valentine's Day with, with somebody. In the Greek, um, the, the feelings, the emotions, the center of consciousness, you know, all that kind of stuff were the guts. You know, so I love you with all of my guts. But you th- think about that. I mean, think about all the, the deep, visceral feelings and emotions that you feel. Where, you know, I've got butterflies in my stomach. You know, that, that kind of thing. Or, oh, I feel sick to my stomach. Or, oh, my stomach's, you know, I'm, my stress. You know, where, where do those things happen? It's typically in the guts. And God knows all about our guts. <laughs> and all the things that goes in our guts. <laughs> and he loves our guts. He loves everything about us. In fact, he was a part of of those things. He's at work in those areas in our life. It's why we value life so much, because God's presence and his knowledge and his creative power has been engaged from the very beginning in our lives. He he uses all of those things, and he calls human beings, those made, we are made in his image. We are called very good. We are the pinnacle of his creation, and we, relationship with us, is what he desires most out out of our lives. Our existence, our redemption back to him is what he desires the most. Being known by God is to celebrate our life and him knowing us fully as precious. Even before anyone has the chance to even know anything about us in the womb, God has given us his infinite love and his attention and his value. The, the language David is using is poetic, but just, you know, um, just be astonished by God's creative power at work, especially in you. I, I don't know. I, this is not something that I sit around and think about all the time, and I think it's an important reminder for us to, to think about and consider how much focus is on us from God. His, his creative power, his sovereign plan over the natural processes that he's created in life, it prompts praise. We're made in his image. We're living, moving, breathing, relating, loving, creating, building, singing, crafting, all to glorify him. And the psalmist is visualizing himself, David is visualizing himself as a masterpiece, and God is the master craftsman. And surely this is the way that we all look at ourselves in the mirror every morning, right? Ah, oh, what a masterpiece that God... No, that's not how you start off? All right. Well, maybe, maybe you could change that uh, for tomorrow morning. God uses his power, his presence, and his purpose for us so that we might know him. He knows us fully, and he still wants to be with us. This is the unique thing about our faith in Jesus, is that we are fully known And God still comes down to be with us so that we can be redeemed back to him. The culmination of the glory of God is to come to earth so that we might be redeemed to him. Now, there's a much darker side to being known in life. The way that maybe we're more used to being known when it comes to the world that we live in, the culture, and how it operates. And this is when people's interest in us is for their own benefit. I mean, you think about the way that most people treat friendship, and we talked about this a few weeks ago, and we think about, um, you know, think, think about like Netflix or Spotify or all those kinds of, or Amazon, and they're really good at curating things for you, right? Hey, you like this, you might like this. I, I know you. Like, I know your habits. I know, uh, like, you're in the algorithm. We, we kind of know some things about you, and so when he, we want to give you some of these things that we think you're going to, you think are great. 
you know that's not because they care about you, right? I just, just want to say, I, I maybe that sounds harsh, it's, it's because you are the product. Like, you're, you're the one that they're getting money from. So they're just trying to keep you engaged in that. Some of the things that's being recommended to you and shared with you, oh, we know you, you might like this, Maybe the very things that they're worst thing for you, but it keep you addicted, <laughs> you know, keep you engaged, it'll keep you, you know, getting Amazon packages, it'll keep you, you know, on Netflix, you know, watch, how did I watch, I won't watch a movie, but I'll watch 10 episodes of an entire season, you know, that, that, that kind of thing. It's true about some of the people that we know as well. And some of, the, some of the things that, some of the ways that people treat us or the, some of the ways that people engage with us because they know us. You know, God knows us, um, and he, he always pursues the best for us. He knows us, but he doesn't exploit us. He's the one who's deserving of being given glory and honor and praise, but we are the beneficiaries for participating in worship for him. David is honoring this, and, and he even... He even acknowledges the fact that we live in a context in which we get distracted away from that. He kind of makes an abrupt turn in the text here in verse 19. If this were a modern song, this would be the bridge that shifts into a minor key. So uh, that's, that's what happens in verse 19. If only you, God, David says, would slay the wicked. Away from me, you who are bloodthirsty. They speak of you with evil intent. Your adversaries misuse your name. Do I not hate those who hate you, Lord, and abhor those who are in rebellion against you? I have nothing but hatred for them. I count them my enemies. When David employs the word hate here, he's talking about, hey, I'm going to reject these things. I'm going to reject this false facade of knowing that so many people put forth in this world that, that are rejecting you and don't care about your ways and the, and the ways that you care for us and want us to be redeemed to you. And David says, I'm, I'm going to re- reject, for the, uh, reject these things. It almost sounds like David's standing up for God, but God doesn't really need us to stand up for him, but he doesn't want us to value the things that he values. And in order to do that, we reject the false knowing of the world. And it's the fact that God knows us fully, completely, and intimately, and still wants us, and still wants us to enjoy life with him and the eternal joy this provides, despite the fact that we have been adversaries against God in our past that David writes this poem and prayer of praise because of how astonishing it is that an all-knowing, all-powerful, all-present God would want to have anything to do with us. He ends the psalm with verses 23 and 24. He says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. He kind of ends with how he begins. He's already acknowledged that God has already searched him. God already knows us fully. And the fact that he does and still loves us, guts and all, shows us how significant his love for us really is. Gregory Boyd uh, writes this in Letters from a Skeptic. He says, It seems to me that God's personal characteristics are displayed all the more in our smallness. Just as we would admire a rich king who, for the sake of love, would be willing to forsake all for a peasant girl he fell in love with, So it seems that God's love for us is all the more magnified precisely because we are so small. The all-knowing, ever-present, all-powerful God chooses to focus his attention on you and me, despite knowing everything about us. And in light of this, David is astonished. And he writes this psalm and he says, hey, lead me in the way everlasting. Because as much as he's acknowledging this and praising this, I mean, I, I don't get it. 
I don't, I don't get why God wants to have anything to do with me. And yet, and yet he does. And David says, you know, I'm just going to be grateful for it. I'm going to praise you for it. And I'm going to ask you just to show me the way to experience this in my life. And so we, we come to this, and, and we come to this text, and, and we focus on what is this idea of, of, what does it look like to be fully known by God? And how does that, how does that change and impact our lives? Well, <clears throat> last week, you know, we, t- we talked about how God reveals himself through his word so that we might know him. And so living according to the life of teachings of Jesus, it's the starting point. But the thing that might be holding you back in your spiritual walk with God, in being led into the way everlasting, maybe it's the... Maybe it's the unknown, hidden parts of our life. Maybe it's the things that we just haven't acknowledged that, oh, yeah, we kind of keep these things from other people, and we have this kind of compartmentalized over here that's a part of my life, the thing that I do that nobody really knows about. And we have this curated image of ourselves that we portray to other people, but, um, but God knows. And those hidden things always impact us externally. So as much as, as, much as we might think, well, nobody knows the specific thing that I kind of have over here that I haven't really dealt with, that I'm kind of keeping just to myself. Um, everybody around you has definitely felt the impact of that thing. And so what I would encourage you to do when it comes to, when it comes to knowing and recognizing that we are fully known with God, that there, there's no part hidden from us, from, from him, is that the, the good news of the gospel is that God does something about those things. That there's redemption, there's reconciliation, and there's a resurrection. But, but not if we don't do anything with it. Not if we just keep it hidden. So for us, maybe it looks like confession. Maybe that's between us and God. Maybe that's between us and our spouse. Maybe that's between us and a friend. Maybe a coworker. I don't know. Maybe it looks like dealing with the thing that's hidden. That, that we've kind of kept. Because... You know, we, we want to be liked, and we're kind of concerned, well, what if this other person, what if I finally admitted that I was wrong here? What if, what if I finally, you know, told them, hey, this is the thing that I've been doing for the last 10 years that you don't know about? Um, like, what, what would that look like? Maybe there's fear in us revealing those things and being fully known in those issues. Well, God's promise is that, hey, I know all about it, and I, I still want to be with you, and I still want you to be with me, and, and I've got enough power to take care of it. And that is what Jesus does, is that God knows all about our sin. He knows all about our weakness. He knows all about our fears, anxieties, all of those kinds of things, our loneliness. And he completely redeems and resurrects that in our life. We can't hide it, so we might as well give it to God. Being known is risky, but healthy, godly intimacy, that is the most freeing thing that we can experience in life. We are completely known and completely loved more than we could possibly ever know by God. And he invites us to experience that through Jesus. Let's pray. God, we, um, we give you all the glory and honor and praise because us pitted against your perfection, um, man, we just don't even hold a candle to your glory. And yet you choose to shine your light on us through Jesus. In fact, the, the way that you describe how you change our lives is that when we're covered with the blood of Christ, when we're buried and raised in, in Jesus, that we become a new creation, that, that you see us completely different as a result of this. 
And God, we, we're astonished. We're, we're amazed that you've, you know us fully and you choose to have anything to do with us. And you don't just, you don't just allow us to exist, but, but you actively pursue us to be able to experience the life that you've created us for. God, we praise you for this. We give you glory and honor for this. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.